morning. Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, which is on page 1582 of the Pew Bible. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. When he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or, if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. Thanks, Abby. Good morning, High Point Church. Oh, just a little bit more enthusiasm. Good morning, High Point Church. You know, it's going to be Badger football season coming up soon. We're going to be able to shout him. My name is uh, Lloyd Biddle. I am a, an associate pastor here at High Point Church. It's my privilege to be able to continue in the series of Luke and uh, preach on a uh, very familiar uh, text where uh, Jesus uh, teaches his disciples how to pray. Um, uh, my wife and I used to be members of a church in Maywood, Illinois, Rock of Ages Baptist Church, and um, Pastor Marvin Wiley used to say, when he would come to a text like this that was a well-worn for a Christian, a uh, text that you've read uh, a long, many years, maybe had been preached on a while, he would pray uh, in the sermon, he would say, Lord, help me to bring uh, fresh water out of an old well. Uh, so pray along with me. That's my, that's my prayer for you. Uh, I'm especially uh, praying that there might be some ways to apply uh, Jesus' teaching on how to pray, how you can apply it in your own private prayer life especially. That's what I'm especially praying for you today. Uh, let, let us continue. There's several uh, obstacles to prayer. I've been a Christian about 30 years now. And um, uh, be honest with you, uh, even still, sometimes, a 
Praying seems weird. Uh, I'm praying to a great and glorious God that I can't see. And this great and glorious God who I, I can't see but who moves and works among us in our lives, when he answers my prayer, I can't hear it audibly. It's weird. Come on, somebody say it's weird. So, so, so uh, even for seasoned Christians and mature ones, uh, prayer can, can seem kind of weird. That's one of the obstacles to prayer. And then the other thing is it's, it's humbling. Now, we're in a country where well, we believe strongly in independence and opportunity and strength. And uh, our parents teach us to be independent and take advantage of opportunities and that we can do anything. And so that works sometimes against this whole notion that in God, the scripture teaches us in Acts around chapter 11 of uh, Paul's sermon on Mars Hill, that in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. That even the oxygen and the very fundamentals that we depend on for life come from God. But sometimes in our own uh, self-determination, we don't remember how dependent we are. It's humbling to pray. It's a, whenever I pray, it's, it's an admission that I don't have it all, that I'm not all that, that I can't make this thing work. Now, I'm 53. I've been married for almost 30 years. I got two grown sons that do their own thing. And th th those years have taught me, I can't do it all. I'm not all that. I don't got this thing all. I got, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of situations. There's a lot of circumstances. There's a lot of weaknesses in me. There's a lot of problems in the world that I just can't bring it all together. And so it's humbling, but it's also exciting to be able to pray to one who can bring it all together. And I go through life, and it's, and it's like in him. It's, but I, but I got to admit that he's the only one who has that confidence. Amen. It's humbling. And sometimes you would pray you just don't get what you want. There's certain things that I feel like I really need. And I've been praying to Jesus for long enough that now I know a little bit that, yeah, I thought I really needed that, but I didn't. Or I thought I really needed that, but it was no good for me. But, but I, I didn't get it at the time I was hurt. At the time I said, Lord, you don't love me. At the time I was like, no, sometimes you just won't get what you want in prayer because it's not good for you. Your father knows better. So sometimes that's why we don't pray. And then... Uh, uh, about the last elder meeting, uh, we, do, we try to do a good job of analyzing. Uh, I'll get feedback on my sermon from staff people. And we love our elder prayers. I, one of the, my favorite parts of the worship service is when an elder has spent a week looking over the passage that we're going to preach and deciding what we need for our souls and they craft a prayer. Uh, but we were like, hey, well, there's some things that we might want to help you with, right? The, the staff had brought some ideas. To, and so it, even if you are a seasoned elder for years, it just seems like you pray, you never got it right. There's these things. Um, and so this is one of these areas. Now, the, the disciples are a lot like, like me. I'll just say me. Uh, I, I read the scripture, and I don't need a teacher. I got it. I got it. And so when we look at the Gospels, when we, especially when we look at Luke, there's only two times when they admit to Jesus. Jesus chose them to follow him 
and only twice in all of the whole gospel do they say they need, they need something. Here's one, Lord, teach us how to pray. They recognize prayer. So my guess is they are kind of like, like us in terms of, Lord, this is weird. We don't really have this thing all figured out. And, and the other time was in, in Luke 17, 5, the scripture says, increase our faith. But other than that, they're self-fulfilled. They got it. You know, Jesus, okay, I think we can go. But in this area, they recognized they needed special revelation from Jesus himself so that they could tap into all the blessings of God. They, they asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. And what I want to say, Jesus doesn't just answer their prayer. He, he, he teaches them how to pray. But he tells them why. I think the heart of this passage, verses 1 through 13, is verse 9. As I get older, it's becoming more and more one of my favorite verses. Jesus says to them, after he gives them, uh, tells them a story about a man who didn't want to answer a prayer but did because they kept badgering him, he says, so you, ask God and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And what God is saying that, that he is your father, if you know him through repentance and faith, Jesus is your father. He listens to your prayer and he will answer. The core of this message today is God answers prayer. There's three principles I want to share with you today from this text. The first principle is pray expectantly. Um, I'll dive into that. The second principle is pray worshipfully. Uh, that, that second song, the last song before uh, 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 the, our reader, Abby, came and read. She sung the prayer from the heart. Pray worshipfully. Magnifying God. Knowing how wonderful he is. Asking him to fill you with knowledge and wisdom. Pray worshipfully. And then lastly, pray humbly. There I'm specifically going to talk about your spiritual needs. Pray humbly. Let's jump right in. Pray expectantly. Luke 1 to 2. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And in 9 and 13, I want to pick up on after uh, the, the portion of 9 that I read. I want to say where it compares God to human fathers, which, uh, which of you, in quotes, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your perfect heavenly father in heaven give you, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Pray expectantly. To do this, you have to recognize that you are God's child. One of the things that never ceases to amaze me is that we have a God who is the creator of all, and in a world of seven to eight billion people, he knows my name. 
In a world of seven to eight billion people, he listens to my prayer. In a world of seven to eight billion people, he is able to provide precisely what I need spiritually and physically. How in the world does God do that? Because he's my father. Now the interesting thing about this is that Jesus, when he walked this earth, he came to his own people, he showed them by his life and by his gospel what God was like, and the vast majority of his people from his nation did not receive him. But to those who recognized that he was God, that they were not, who would repent from their sins, who embraced him as Lord, to those people, yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God is awesome and amazing. My wife and I just spent a week in Atlanta worshiping our awesome God, listening to the gospel, uh, sung in words, and pondering 29 years of marriage and 50 plus years of life and how we don't know how he blessed us or why he blessed us and pondering our own um, inequities and our own lack of merit and how he's blessed us. We've been pondering how great this God is, that he, we can say that he is our father. Come on now, that ought to give you a great sense of confidence. If you can say that, if you've come to Christ in repentance and faith, received the Holy Spirit, you ought, to, you ought to be confident in Christ. Not confident in yourself, not self-sufficient, but confident that God loves you. That confident that you can accomplish what God has said that you can accomplish. That confident that you have abundant life now and eternal life forever. Confident that God will never leave you nor forsake you. You can be confident in God's promises. You can be confident that he has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the divine nature that has brought to you goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control and love and peace and grace and righteousness and truth. You can be confident today. Come on, talk back with me. You can be confident for all of the spiritual blessings. You can be confident that God is going to meet your material needs. In fact, he's more than your earthly father. He's wiser. And so, um, as, a, as a heaven, as an earthly father, I think I know what my sons need. I think I know what my wife might need. But God knows precisely so that he doesn't give you a scorpion when what you need is bread. He's your father. And you, that's why you can pray expectantly. And he has given us the scriptures tell us not only every spiritual blessing, but he has given us everything we need for life right now. College student, as you go onto your way, transitional student, I finished high school, haven't figured it out. God's got what you need. About ready to retire. My financial resource is not exactly what I had hoped. God's got what you need. Everything you need for life and godliness is what he's promised. And what I'm learning at 53 that I did not know at 23 is that he actually does have it. And that means I, I'm his child. That means I got it too. Come on, somebody say, I got it too. That God has promised that you are not a pauper, whether your situation is worry or doubt or fear or material lack, that God has got you. 
He will support you. All you need to do is seek righteousness, and all of these things, all of these things will be given unto you. Amen? He has everything we need for life and, 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 and godliness. You can be, pray expectantly. So I ran across this story. Some of you have read extensively about Betsy and Corrie ten Boom, these Dutch women whose family during World War II would, um, as Jews were being persecuted, they had a trap door under their kitchen table, and they had a room in, the, in their attic. I was talking to Pastor Nick in between services when the Nazis were coming in trying to find out, we know you're keeping these, these, these Jews, where are they doing it? And they couldn't, it took them a while to figure out where it was. He said, this is, a, this is the, the devil is actually keeping this from us, right? This is what the Nazis are saying, amen? They were bold enough. They loved the people and they were protecting the Jews. They were found out, the ladies were put into a prison camp in Northern Germany for women. And it was a dire, terrible place. Small rooms, 30, 40, 50 women huddled, flea infestation. In particular, Betsy had a vitamin deficiency, a vitamin K deficiency. When the women would come into the, the Nazi camp, they would be uh, checked to see that they couldn't bring anything in. <laughs> when, Bet, when their sister Corey got to the checkpoint where they were going into the barracks and the line had been held up, the guard said to her she had a Bible and a vitamin K bottle for her sister, who was definitely sick and needed this, this medicine was life to her. And when, the, when it got up to the Nazi prison, said, just go for it, just go ahead, the line is backed up. So everybody got checked except that she, she goes in. So they get into this prison camp, and they have this Bible, and there's flea infestation. They don't know it at the time, but because of the flea infestation, the guards don't want to actually come into the barracks. So they're having Bible study and leading women to Jesus. And during Nazi two, in a concentration camp, now, here's the problem. There are other 25 women sick, needed this medicine, too. So these ladies were talking. And Bessie said to her sister, we got to share what we have with them. And, and then and Corey said, what do you mean? There's not enough. We've got to share it. He said, do you remember the widow in Zarephath? This is 1 Kings chapter 17. Do you remember the woman, the Gentile woman, who Elijah the prophet came to? And, and God promised through Elijah, he said, if you have a little bit of oil, and a little bit of bread. And if you will honor the prophet, he's the mediator for God, if you will honor, by giving him uh, first, that, that this little bit of bread, Jim, this little bit of milk, this little bit of oil will last. And for years, this, uh, um, this uh, season of drought occurred, and the food and the oil lasted, and she and her son ate along with the prophet. And it got me to thinking about my being raised by a single mom, five kids, three grandkids, one bedroom house, a woman of faith, and wifey, she just had a little bit of income. And she had a lot of prayer. She had a little bit of income. And, and, and those kids graduated from private schools, and those kids went on to college, and those kids, and my, and my mom is, has lived a prosperous life with a little bit of material and a lot of bit of faith. Come on, talk with me, somebody. Uh, we Americans, most of us got enough material 
We just don't have enough faith. Come on, talk with me. You got enough stuff, you just don't have enough faith. And so we're not growing in Christ as much as we can. You don't need it as much as you think, materially speaking. And spiritually, you need much more than you've been appropriating. You have it. I have it. We need to be appropriating it more. I want to talk a little bit more about that. These women. And so, so, so Betsy told Corey this. And, and here's, here's what Corey said. Corey said, listen, that don't happen these days. <laughs> he said, that was 2,000 years ago. That don't happen these days. But Betsy said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will make that vial of medicine last. And so they took that little medicine bottle. And there were 25 women, and drop after drop, day after day, it lasted. And these women were living until one day, one of the women residents smuggled in another bottle and gave it to, to Corey. And Corey said, God, God is, God is good. Maybe he'll keep this bottle he'll keep still going. So they said, I'm going to keep using this bottle until it runs out. That very night, she turned that bottle over. It's brown bottle. She couldn't see. Nothing would come out. <laughs> God had supplied through this new source. But that little bottle that was supposed to last a week for one person had lasted months for all these persons because they prayed, Betsy prayed expectantly. How about you? Do you believe that God will bless you with what you need? Do you believe, like the text says, that you can pray for your daily bread as well as your spiritual needs? and that God will deliver. I'm old enough now, I can tell you, he will deliver. When you, things look bad, when it seems like your resources are out, when you get fired on your job, when you need to start a new job because nobody will hire you, God will bless that new business. Come on, talk back with me. God will bless that business so that you can take care of your financial. I've seen it happen at High Point. I've seen it happen in my house. God will bless you when you put him first. You can pray expectantly. Secondly, you got to pray worshipfully. I want to concentrate here on where it starts, starts with he said to them. Jesus is talking. They asked him to preach. He said to them, pray worshipfully. When you pray, say, follow, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, where there is the parallel passage of this, it adds on to that piece, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to talk about hallowed be your name. Oh, I hate when that happens to me. Bear with me. Hallowed be your name. What that hallowed means is Jesus is to be exalted as outstanding, awesome, great. That's why we call him, that's why he calls himself I am. Whatever God's needs, Jehovah means I am. I am. Whatever your situation requires, that's what God is in your life. He is phenomenal. I'm going to talk a little bit about how that applies have been struggling, uh, and some of you I shared this with, that I have been struggling, uh, worst struggle of my life, um, with depression. And so bad that I didn't even recognize myself. But, uh, but God healed me. 
I need to take a season of rest just to get my priorities straight. But through his word, through his spirit, through some godly counselors, through a patient wife and children, through a patient church, God healed me. Oh, nobody can't tell me God ain't great. He might not be that much to you, but he's everything to me. As you grow in God, as you grow in Christ, uh, dear Ridge Lindsay, as you grow, you will recognize more and more how awesome a God he is. Uh, you will recognize how awesome he is when you go through the really most difficult times in your life, the times when you never thought you could make it, and you make it. The times when you lose your newborn baby uh, and somehow you are able to recover and move forward and God blesses you in a different way, you will recognize how wonderful God is. You won't, you'll look back and say, I was in such a bad straits and look where I am now. And you'll say, only God could do that. Hallowed be your name. Uh, sometimes you ought to take just some time to remember how wonderful God is. I'll talk about that later. Jesus, when he prayed, if you ever diagnose an extended prayer of God, you will see that he recognized how glorious God was and how dependent on God he was. How glorious God is and how dependent on God he was. Jesus, the son of God, the one who is one of the persons but is also God, he glorifies God. He says in this particular prayer, near the end of his ministry, um, after he celebrates communion with his disciples and before the passion, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. He was like, Jesus, God the Father, give me, glorify me. Put me on the cross. Come on and talk back with me. Put me on the cross so that I can glorify you so that I can bring salvation to all that you have chosen. Put me on the cross, and I'm going to glory. All men are going to know what you have done, that you are a forgiver of sins, and that you will welcome every person, whether you're from Syria, Asia, Chicago, New York, black, white, Jew, uh, Latino, the, all people will know. If you will put me up there, then I will put those people up there. If you, God, will put me up there, I will bring all people into heaven. So, so he prays. He says, Father, I'm here to glorify you. One of the things I'm starting to recognize, you'll never be any good in Christ Jesus' name. You'll never be half the servant if you don't recognize that you're here to glorify him. you got to get that down into your spirit, that it isn't about you. It's about him. And that as he gets blessed, I'm holding on to Jesus' coattails. As he gets blessed, as his name grows, my little reputation grows in him. As my character grows because of Jesus, amen, as, as I become more like him, amen, I'm on his coattails. I'm dependent upon him. I walk in him. Jesus was the same way. For you granted him authority over all people. The Father granted Jesus authority over all people that he might give eternal life to everybody that the Father had given him. Jesus is saying, the Father gave me a church. All of us here who have confessed in him and come and receive the spirit. The father's work. This is what the son is saying. This is what we say. When God does some amazing things 
God is doing some amazing things through some of you in your workplace, in your homes, in your personal life. God is doing it, not you. Yeah, yeah, you, it's your body that he gave you. It's your soul that he gave you. It's the strength through the Holy Spirit that he gave, but it's his work. You are the, uh, the only God. He's the only true God, he says. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and me, the vessel that you sent to declare you. And I have finished your work. When we pray worshipfully, we have to put God before ourselves. That's what it means. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, listen, the things that you want, I don't want to casually dismiss. As you grow in Christ, what you want will change. But wherever you are, whatever you believe you need God for, he doesn't look at that casually, even if he has to say no for now. Even if he has to give you what is better. It's not that what you want is so bad, it's that what he wants is so much better. Come on, talk with me. It's not that what you want is so bad, it's that what he wants is better. And that's where your humility comes in, which will be my next point. My counselor, when I was walking through my depression, said, Lloyd, talking about praying uh, worshipfully, he said, Lloyd, you recognize the challenges of life and ministry, but you don't have a good understanding of the blessings, what God is doing in your life, what God is doing in the lives of others. You need to keep a journal to, that focuses on how God is increasing and blessing and restoring you. I have lots of journals at home. I've been keeping journals for 30 years, but if you open them up, all, mostly what you'll see is challenges. Now, I got two wonderful kids, a great wife. I've had great jobs. I've been in great churches. I've worked with great people. I'm at a great church right now that's growing and flourishing. But if you looked in my journals, you would see trouble. And she's like, Lord, you got to change that. So I started in May, this May, writing down all of the blessings of God. And what I've come to the conclusion is that God is a generous God. I've come to the conclusion that I might have prayed for X and he gave me Y, but Y was so much better. And it's only been a couple of months. And in a couple of months, I, I prayed for this. I, saw, I got this and I said, oh man, I'm glad he didn't give me this. There were certain jobs, Jim, when I worked at AmFam, there were certain positions I wanted. And I just swore, look, God, if you love me, Jesus, if you love me, you would give me this job. Now, I've been serving God, I've been working like a, Jesus, if you love me. And two months, that job got, got it ended. And the people that were in that department got laid off. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, you are awesome. You are, what a great God. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, talk back. That happened to me two or three times at American Family. Jobs, I swore I wanted. I wanted to be in this financial services division. That division don't even exist. 30 years, 20 some years ago, gone. But I swore that was for me. I'm so God glad that when I ask for a stone, God gives me bread. You don't know what the scorpions are. Don't be surprised if he doesn't give you. My mom used to say, you just live a little bit longer and you'll see what the right thing is. Kept a prayer journal. It has taught me how wonderful God is and how 
His desires are better than mine. So we need to pray expectantly. I am God's child. No doubt about it. I have the Holy Spirit. No doubt about it. I have the word of God. Um, I'm understanding it more and more. No doubt about it. I have my brothers and sisters in Christ. No doubt about it. The Lord is disciplining me away from sin into righteousness. Sometimes it hurts. No doubt about it. But every time it's for my good. You got to pray expectantly and pray worshipfully. Lastly, you have to pray humbly. I want to hear what I'm talking about is your spiritual needs. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. If you are investigating Christianity here today, the foundation of our faith is that God is perfect, great, generous, and we are less than that. And that's not only true at the beginning of our journey with him, that we recognize that we have disobeyed what is right, we have recognized that our truth and your truth was a lie and that his truth was eternal. The foundation of our faith is we repent and accept Jesus as Lord. Repentance keeps us, establishes our relationship with Jesus. It is at the foundation of a good relationship with, with God is to, is to walk humbly with God, is to be repentant before him. In addition, listen, between you and me, if I'm constantly sinning against my, my wife, offending her, being mean to her, and I never apologize, or vice versa, if she's that way, right, after a while, man, that, I, I can tell you this, I, 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 29 years, I know a little bit about marriage. If you want to mess up your marriage, do that. Did you realize you're about to get married? Is he about to get married? <laughs> Offend your husband. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay. Offend your husband. Do mean, say mean stuff. Keep doing it. Don't repent, right? And you'll be like coming counseling to me. I'll be like, you gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta follow. You gotta apologize. You gotta recognize the blessing that God has given you. That's your blessing. The scripture says that um, wealth comes from, inheritance comes from men, but that a godly wife comes from the Lord. That's your blessing. Forgot what I'm talking about now. <laughs> I'm talking about the fact that you have to recognize that you are a sinner and you have to learn how to forgive people when they ask for forgiveness, and you gotta learn how to ask for forgiveness when you offend people. And you need to get on that right away, if that's not your skill. If you are kinda, oh, I don't, my dad never did that. I don't care if your father ever did it. I'm not talking to your father today, I'm talking to you. <laughs> and if you are sinning against your brother, your sister, your wife, your friend, your brother, your, your boss, if you are offending your neighbor, stop it. Repent and walk in Christ. Because we have to keep our relationship right with God. That's most important. Then what's next important is that we keep our relationship with us. And then lastly, we got we to gotta watch out for our enemy, the devil. 
in the parallel passage, it says, lead us not into temptation. It says, protect us from the evil one. In the parallel passage, it says that you have an enemy who's out, who knows your weaknesses. He knows your lusts. He knows your desires that, are in, that God doesn't want for you. And so you've got to, in order for you to live in freedom like God wants you to, you've got to know him too. And you've got to practice this. In Hebrews 12, let us throw off, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus and his godliness and his love for us. We've got to cling to him, spiritually speaking. And we've got to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Jesus says, lead us not into temptation because we're always tempted. Lead us not into temptation because our enemy knows what is tempting us. Lead us not into temptation because God wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to be able to love and serve him and to be fruitful and to have blessed relationships. And even he wants you to offend the unrighteous and endure persecution with dignity and grace for his sake. So that those who are watching this miracle of a godly person being persecuted unjustifiably for Jesus' sake will see and say, what is going on in that person's life where they can treat people with justice and when they're treated so poorly and they keep talking about how Jesus has changed their lives. I need that kind of peace. One of the things I'm beginning to learn is one of my biggest spiritual needs is peace. Peace comes when you have these three aligned in verse four. Verse four is powerful. Verse four is about your spiritual life. It's about your life with God, your life with society, and you staying away from the, uh, the, your enemy that wants to destroy the abundant life that you have in Christ. Verse 4 is powerful. You need to learn how to pray for your soul. That's what I want to say. Bear with me. Say he's got something important to say. Stick with him. Stick with him. Stick with him. The problem with our prayer life is we, we have to grow in maturity in terms of what we pray for. Um, we pray for things that we think are bread and we think are life and they are snakes. They bite us and they are scorpions. They sting us and they are stones. They pulverize us to death. We have to learn how to pray for our heart's needs. So that's what I want to conclude this sermon on. I want to talk to you a little bit about how to pray for your heart. John Bloom is a writer for Desiring God. I'm going to, uh, I've adapted his prayers just a little bit. He, he, he got too much faith in me. I had to ratchet it down. John Bloom said, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, give me delight in you as the greatest desire of my heart. Whatever it takes, that was the part that was hard for me. Whatever it takes, I'm like, oh, whatever it takes, Lord, give me delight in you as the desire of my heart. That we have to learn that God is first and foremost. Be loved before my wife, before my children, before, if you are a people-pleasing kind of person, I tend to be a little bit. If you are, before your people-pleasing this kind of self, God and his righteousness first. 
Delight yourself in the Lord. That's the first thing. Second thing you've got to pray for is that you can align your desires to, to reach his. And I've talked enough about that. You've got to pray that, recognize that your desires aren't bad, but his are better. They may not be bad, but his are better. And that he's going to give you his will. And you've got to look to see, Lord, you didn't give me what I want, but you gave me this. Help me see why it's better. That's the, that's the faith you need. Help me see why you said no and yes. Help me see that so that I can understand how great you are. That's the second prayer you got to master. Third one, Lord, increase my awareness of my dependence on you and everything so that I will live continually by faith. The Lord is divine. I am the branches. It's his world. And I ain't nothing but a squirrel searching around for a nut. Come on back with me. That's an old R&B song from the 70s. I'm important. I'm a human being. I'm created in the image of God. But he is Lord and King, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I am his servant. And I've got to recognize my dependence on him. Um, if you're walking with Jesus as long as surely, I assure you, and you stick with it and you don't abandon the faith, I assure you, you will learn that. That you can only do so much and you, you have to depend on God. Lord, teach me to discern good from evil through the rigorous exercise of constant practice. But solid food is for the mature, Hebrews 5.15, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There's this thing, there's this term that's been used now that is really upsetting my soul because I think it is disrupting society. And the term is your truth and my truth versus the truth. And this term is being bandied around in some very important discussions uh, in terms of the Me Too movement and, uh, and women not being uh, treated like sex objects and uh, offended and abused in the workplace. And it's very important and it's very true. But then there's this underneath it all, when I start to get to my truth, it, it's wrong and it needs to stop. And, but then I take it and that there, there's, just a, there's a mean-spiritedness and there's a disrespect for genders in both regards. And a little bit of truth is mixed with a lot of bit of error, and we've got massive problems. We've got fake news. Some of it is, is fake, and others of it is true. But you and I have to stay tethered to our Bibles so that we can know the difference between truth and error in a moment's notice and decide appropriately and stand boldly on the truth. Don't come talking to us about your truth. I better not hear a Christian say that to me. I'm so mad about this thing, I'm, I'm frustrated. We have God is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We depend on Jesus. I don't have no truth outside of his truth. It's his truth. And I need to get in line with that thing. So we have to be able, we have to be discerning of the times to know the difference between things that should stop and where you went off the rail. 
We've got to know the difference. And that takes us the students of the Bible. And, this, and, and to bring wise people around you and to say, hey, let's talk about that. What did you think about that? Did that would that seem right? Something seemed a little wrong about that. Okay, I felt that way too. So that you can live in real truth, so that you can grow in Christ, so that you can become more and more like Jesus, so that you can produce, that you can draw more people into his kingdom, so that his name will be exalted. The truth. Solid food. God. Through practice, you need to be practicing right now. Social media, news from every end, you need to be discerning of what the truth is. Lord, discipline me for my good so that I may share your wholeness. I don't like this prayer. Let me just start with that. That's why I have to give it to you <laughs> and me. Oh, I don't like to get a spanking. I, I was raised in a day when parents spanked their kids. Sometimes I learned, sometimes I didn't. <laughs> God knows how to spiritually discipline you so that you do learn. And he knows just how, just enough, not too much. When I was disciplining my boys, sometimes I went too far, sometimes I went too little. I didn't know enough, Lynn, how to do it. As I got older as a parent, I got better. Thank, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, I should grow in Christ, right? But you... He knows just enough how to discipline you so that you can be more like Jesus. He's intent on that. You need to learn how to pray that prayer for yourself. Last prayer. Lord, increase my resolve to do your will with all diligence. I was in business. There was a, I was in sales. There was a speaker named Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy used to teach this principle. He said, when it comes to being productive in sales, if you know what needs to be done, do it now. Do it now. He said, you need to go, you get into the office on Monday, you need to do it now. Guys who own businesses love that. Hey, they need that. We do it now. You know what the right thing is? Don't be like me, sometimes stewing on it. Well, Jesus, I'll get around to it next week. It'll, it's too painful. Do it now so that you can get the blessing now in terms of your character, in terms of your relationships, in terms of leading people to Christ, in terms of righteousness, in terms of peace, in terms of joy, in terms of kindness, in terms of self-control. Do it now. These are spiritual prayers. Uh, John Bloom, writer for Design God, he wrote these, and I said, I shared them with my wife. We were in the airport, and both of us were like, wow, I haven't been praying these prayers from my heart. Sometimes when I have to preach, uh, I get um, lack of confidence will strike me. It's how the enemy tries to strike me. You didn't, you don't have it. You, and I began to just, I'm learning now to just begin to press into Jesus in prayer and to pray the scriptures and to pray for the things that I know God would have me pray. Lord, it's your word that I studied. Lord, these are your people. Lord, um, you call me to preach. Lord, the word is the what does it, not me. Lord, uh, protect my soul. And after a while, I was in this intimate fellowship with God where I felt like there was no other place in the world I would want to be. Me, Jesus, in intimate fellowship and prayer. Do it quickly. Three principles to follow when we pray. 
pray expectantly, pray worshipfully, pray humbly. As I close, there were times like the parable in Luke 11, verse 5 through 9, the neighbor has an unexpected guest comes, and he goes to his neighbor that he knows has bread at an ungodly hour and bangs on his door because it's important to practice hospitality in that culture and in ours. And he didn't have the bread. He wasn't expecting. He knew the person. He said, I need bread for my friends. He was praying a good, righteous prayer. And the person, he didn't care about righteousness. He just wanted the banging to stop. <laughs> so he got up and gave them the bread. When my kids would come to me at Saturday morning or something, I'd been working all week, and they would ask for something, and I would be like, get out of here. I don't want, dad, dad, let's turn, let's watch this. Let's go here. I'd be like, oh, but God is not like that. The scripture says that to Jesus, your prayers are like incense in his nostrils. He delights in your prayer, even the stupid ones, because he, he, he knows that you're, you're depending on him, that you're looking to him. He delights in your prayer. Therefore, you should pray because he answers prayer. Pray expectantly. Pray worshipfully and pray humbly. Worship team, you can come. As the worship team comes, I wrote a prayer for you that's based on Psalm 20. I'm going to close this, this sermon with the prayer for you. This is the Psalm of David. This is the prayer. Now, I know this. The Lord grants victory to those who are devoted to him. He answers them from heaven with victorious power in his right hand. May the Lord answer you when, you when you are in need. May the name of the Lord protect you from danger seen and unseen. May he send you help from heaven and may your help come from your brothers and sisters in Christ that are around you. May he send you help and from, from heaven, maybe through his angels, when he speaks, things happen. And through us, may we come around you and be of help to you. May he remember that you and I, if you are in Christ, are a living sacrifice. May he be pleased with your service, wherever you're rendering it. Whether it's here, at home, at work, in the neighborhood. May he be pleased with your service. May he be pleased with your offerings. May he give you the desire of your hearts and may he make all your plans succeed. In Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen. amen.